As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Disruptive Innovation FM. Disruptive Innovation FM. Disruptive Innovation FM. So another week. Shout out about the state of business in the startup era. And uh, for those who are uh, major soccer fans, MLS fans, which are uh, sports network, Black Flags Rise Above, used in the new promo commercial. This is no longer your uh, dad's era of media, folks. Pretty cool that they actually uh, used that uh, tune. I, I dig that quite a bit. I w- <clears throat> I've always been a big uh, black f- uh, black flag fan, um, uh, and I think it's uh, I think I just think it's great that uh, MLS uh, thought, uh, hey, let's use something a little bit different here. So, um, also, it is a special week of um, uh, South by Southwest. So, of course, um, there's about 20,000 people that are attending this week. Hopefully, this uh, podcast gets passed around quite a bit down there. Uh, you never know. I, I get a lot of uh, interesting feedback from people all over the world now. Um, and who knows, you know, you, you start, uh, you, you do these things because they're interesting and because we're all media now. Um, I don't have to, uh, I don't have to ask 10, 10 wins here in New York city. If I can get on the microphone, I just, uh, I just purchase my own and, uh, use, uh, services like Spreaker.com and, uh, broadcast. It's as simple as that. Use my social, uh, media channels to promote, um, pretty much what, uh, I think, uh, the, the future 
has in store for us. So in a lot of ways, the model of this, um, this show, and I try to, you know, I try to walk the walk, so to speak. The model of this show is disruptive innovation. I mean, everything that I'm doing in terms of recording a podcast and distributing it using alternative channels is, is disruptive innovation. So, um, we don't just like to talk about the terminology. We like to actually perform it or execute it. Um, so yeah, South by Southwest this week should be a great time. Um, I actually attended the first South by Southwest interactive conference in 2006. There was only about 500 people there. Um, and it was three days prior to the, um, music festival. Now it runs a whole entire week. Uh, and of course the music festival runs a whole week. So it's two weeks of, uh, hijinks in, uh, Austin. Um, this year it's actually cool because, um, there's a big electronic music event. Um, and I remember t talking with my friends and saying the, the year that happens, electronic music is tipped way beyond mainstream because South by Southwest had has always been known as really more of a, um, what would you say? It's more of a, um, festival that was, that's rooted in, uh, um, bluegrass and, uh, indie rock never really had much of, uh, of an electronic or EDM presence. And this year, of course, Richie Houghton and dead mouse five are, uh, playing a very large gig um, for the event. So I think that uh, will just tip it mainstream, so to speak. Um, so hopefully this gets passed around quite a bit. Um, you can, of course, tweet at me, at D-J-G-E-O-F-F-E -F -F -E on Twitter. Uh, love your feedback. Uh, this week's show, of course, we're going to talk about the 50 most disruptive companies of 2013 according to the MIT Technology Review. This has been passed around quite a bit. Of course, the 50 most innovative companies uh, is on the front cover of the most recent uh, issue of Fast Company, or I should say the most recent tablet version of uh, Fast Company. If you want to check that out, the number one company that is the most innovative, according to Fast Company, is Nike. does not surprise me one bit. They are no longer just an apparel company. They are really an analytics company. And I think that it is uh, also interesting to see that they are printing uh, 3D uh, cleats, uh, soccer boots, uh, and sneakers. So I think Nike is going to do some very interesting things going forward. It should be a lot of fun to watch and see what uh, what they're up to. But the 50 most disruptive companies this year, uh, according to the MIT Technology Review, most fell into five categories. Uh, they've only been ha they've only kept a track of a list like this since 2010, showing how quickly disruption has really taken off. There's, in fact, on this list only 15 companies of the 50 were on the same list last year. That's how fast innovation is really taking off uh, in the economy right now. And you have to think about why that is. I think there's a couple of different things going on. One is we're no longer an employee eco uh, uh, economy. We are an entrepreneurial economy. Um, people want to start their own businesses. Uh, we're a wash in capital. 
I actually think there's too much capital out there. It's just being held by certain uh, banks and corporations. Um, I think it's difficult to get capital, but when you can, um, there's some wonderful companies that have been uh, invented and are actually thriving. Um, so I don't think capital is the, uh, the, the issue. I think it's just getting your hands on, on, on the capital uh, at the moment. The other thing that's um, quite interesting in terms of why there's so much innovation and on the disruptive side of things too is decisions of, of what happened with uh, the CEO for Yahoo, Marissa Mayer. Uh, now I actually don't do not disagree with her decision to ask her employees to work at the office. Um, you have to look at things in, in, a, in a certain light. Uh, Yahoo is in a tough predicament. Uh, they're really trying to turn the company around. She, I don't think, has been given a very long window to turn the company around. And she asked everyone to not telecommute because she wants to build morale. And I actually can agree with this. I work with, uh, I've worked with people who've telecommuted in the past. It's been difficult to communicate with them uh, and really pay, see if they, you know, figure out if they're actually paying attention on some of the conference calls. Um, though I think video P2P technology can change this uh, scenario. I think if you're actually seeing a person, you can talk to them like you would uh, be talking to them, uh, you know, via Skype or FaceTime. You can actually see what's going on. Um, but I think the interesting thing there is, um, you know, Marissa Mayer made this decision not thinking about the fact that a lot of women who make up a large majority of the workforce, and rightfully so, um, they want flexibility. Um, as do I think a lot of uh, men later in their career when they have children. Um, and I think that is going to be an interesting scenario that will actually lead to more companies uh, uh, started by women who are sort of disgruntled from the fact that uh, they don't have as much flexibility. So I think the the new women's movement is actually entrepreneurialism because instead of being sort of dragged down by larger companies who've said you have to do this, you have to be here, you have to put in so much time, I think a lot of women are saying, wait a minute, I can't do all that. You know, I'm trying to juggle house, home, kids, and a job. Uh, I'm going to just start my own company. Uh, and many of those companies are uh, not traditional companies. They're disruptive companies, so to speak. So it should be interesting to see how that scenario plays itself out uh, over the next five years. And um, I think we actually need... Um, uh, strong women in the workforce at the top of some of these companies um, who understand flexibility and understand the fact that technology has changed the way that we work. I think it's good to be in an office setting, but do I think that one needs to be in an office setting for 15 hours a day? Absolutely not. That's just, that's preposterous. Um, so some of the um, companies on this list, they make up five areas, biomedicine, computing and communications, energy and materials, internet and digital media, and transportation. And of course, you know, there's, there's the common names that uh, we're familiar with, the Apples of the world, um, the Googles of the world, um, 
Novartis, uh, Philips, um, Samsung. Then there, uh, the Microsoft. Then there, of course, there are other companies uh, that make up this list that were probably we don't know who they are. They're actually new names. So Coursera uh, is probably a name not many people are familiar with who are listening to the show. Um, uh, Area, Ario, I said that correctly. Uh, Path, which is sort of the I call the Facebook killer. Path is interesting because it's a mobile social platform. Got into trouble last year because some of the data of its users was leaked. But I think Path could make a comeback. Um, Facebook is in a very interesting predicament right now. There's more and more people leaving the service. Um, I was really hoping that they were going to put some more emphasis on innovation this year. Now I think they're just trying to squeeze blood out of a stone to get people to advertise on the platform. And also they have no real-time marketing solution. They have no hashtag. The search doesn't make any sense. Anyhow, uh, they are on this list, but I'm still wondering why they're on this list. But uh, then again, it's, uh, you know, could be because it's MIT and Facebook was originally a Boston company. I, again, I don't know the reasons. There could also be the fact that just Facebook really is trying to pioneer some new advertising uh, mechanisms. So maybe that's, uh, maybe that's why they've included them. Um, and then, of course, uh, Square is on here. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of that technology, Jack Dorsey's creation, the ability uh, for uh, any person or company to, small business I should say, to accept a credit card is a huge disruptive innovation to credit card companies and banks. I think next week, on next week's episode, we'll talk about the banking industry uh, because I did a great piece in 2011 on the future of banking and most of the things that I wrote in that uh, in that uh, slide share I should say PowerPoint deck that's available on SlideShare, um, have really come true uh, you know the advent of digital cash uh, the mobile phone as your wallet near-field communications alternative currency banks I think have been caught off guard by much of this uh, of course, many of us use uh, bank applications to, um, uh, to to do our banking, but I wonder if uh, th how much how much you know longer that will what that will take place, especially in emerging um, economies where banks really have been slow to pick up speed in terms of uh, um, working with their uh, their customer base. There, I'm specifically talking about. Uh, countries like Kenya and Nigeria where most uh, bank applications have not been created by big banks but have been created by just people like you and I. Uh, so I think it's um, interesting and, and uh, uh, an, an area that banks are not even safe from anymore and you, and you would think that you know well wait a minute currency will always be safe no one's gonna overthrow that but I think if people come up with alternative forms of currency uh, especially now in the virtual world, money doesn't really mean as much uh, if you think about it. Uh, not at least not for everything. I mean, you still need it, of course, to pay your rent and, and eat food. But uh, 
we we may not need that necessarily if someone says, hey, I'll, I'll barter with you to do a uh, service uh, and then I will do this other thing for you because, you, you know, you need that. Especially as we move more into a knowledge-based uh, industry. And um, that's one of the things that, uh, that actually, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about again this, uh, you know, this this episode is the fact that we really are moving more toward a knowledge-based industry and anything can be disrupted as a result of that. Um, you know, in the past, if you thought about disruptive innovation in terms of the physical industrial world, someone needed capital to create um, the supply for the demand of that lower market. Now, there's the ability to create the supply for, for that lower market mainly by finding brain capital or brain wealth and putting that to work to sort of disrupt the brain capital or knowledge of the larger company that is you know, providing that service in the mainstream. So I think some of the best ideas will continue to disrupt other ideas in these areas such as health, uh, in these areas such as education, uh, and then of course in areas such as communications, advertising, um, publishing, and of course the music and uh, film industries. So no business really is safe anymore from disruptive innovation. And in some ways, you know, we, we, we think that, you know, there's a lot of uh, turmoil from this, but it actually makes things quite interesting out there because I think companies, you know, sort of have to say to themselves, you know, how do we handle being disrupted? Do we just sort of wait for it to happen? Do we actually disrupt ourselves? Do we come up with new business models which ultimately disrupt ourselves or maybe disrupt our competitors? I think it's actually one of the best times to be alive at the moment because of the fact that technology is moving at this accelerative, accelerative pace and we're in this whole era of, uh, of change which of course can lead to turmoil but uh, uh, it also can lead to some uh, fantastic uh, um, productions in terms of um, what has uh, existed uh, you know, prior to these new innovations. Uh, so, you know, if we think about it, information distribution basically is zero dollars now. You know, what I'm providing here has cost me really nothing. Just my mind, uh, just some ideas, um, you know, a few technical specifications which of course cost some money but to actually produce this show and put it up on the web and have it distributed through the social web has cost me nothing and it's cost probably you nothing to listen to it uh, maybe your mobile phone if you're you know of course that costs something but you probably didn't have to download any additional software you weren't charged any licensing fees you're getting my you know my point so there's a lot of things that I think certain modes of business now really have to to you know be careful of um, 
and I think you know what what uh, we we've seen a lot of with most of uh, the communications industry over the past you know year now is just this more rapid um, rate of disrupting companies that have had a very hard time adapting to the new ways of communicating. So what I mean by that is you have certain companies that might say, hey, you know, we're a tech company or we're a company that only deals in this particular proprietary information. We're not going to use any competition to spread our messaging. Um, and I think that hurts certain companies. I think you have to be open to using platforms even by competitors now. Um, if you think about it, we might say that, uh, you know, if you're using a person to sort of get to your objective, you might call them a frenemy. I think that's the way it is in business now. I think you can't look at a platform and say, I can't use that. We don't, we don't own it. We need to use our own proprietary uh, uh, software or, or um, technology. I think you just use what you have to sort of get to the means uh, to an end. So, you know, not everyone has the time to develop nor the money to develop all these platforms anymore. I mean, I can't imagine uh, certain companies saying, hey, you know what, uh, we can't use the, uh, you know, we can't use iPhone technology or the iOS operating system um, to get our work done because that goes uh, against uh, what we want to do. I think most companies, I mean, if you think about it, I've, I've, I mean, I've downloaded many, many um, applications by companies that uh, go against Apple on the Apple Store for the iOS, which is the right way to sort of, I think, approach business now. Utilize whatever channels necessary to get your message across. That's disruptive in itself. Um, I think, you know, that's, that's sort of how business is done in this day and age. So I'm hoping that uh, what comes out of South by Southwest this year is... Um, a, a lot of discussion on disruptive innovation. I, I think that, uh, unfortunately, um, the, uh, the panels missed out on, on one of the um, programs I actually wanted to present. Um, I, pre I presented uh, back in, uh, I think, October, a panel on social media marketing, ripe for disruption. And with all the real-time marketing that's going on right now, this panel would have been so timely. I just would have ripped some of these people who are sort of trying to carry out real-time marketing for brands. Um, pardon my language here. A new asshole. Because so many are just looking at this like, let's just feed our Twitter feed a bunch of spam with a bunch of brand messaging around a big event and it, there's no contextual application there's no content that is of any value I mean it's almost like some of these people are breaking all the rules that we really sort of have established in terms of how companies should speak to other people in a social setting I really think that that panel would have been interesting because not only did I want to destroy a laptop on stage, because I think the laptop is dead, but I wanted to also tell 
most people that I think social media mavens or gurus or whatever you want to talk, call them or what do they call themselves are all snake oil salespeople um, that really I think are not providing much value to business um, and this is unfortunate it's uh, it reminds me of the music industry uh, back in the mid 90s when you had a lot of people who basically said hey I can get your I can get your song charted here's what I'll do for you give me X amount of dollars and then that person would say but that didn't lead to really any sales um, and someone would say hey but it got to number one on this particular chart and it was a lack of fundamental understanding by some people on sort of how business worked um, and I think we're you know now in a culture where we should you know be more transparent with one another and be more honest be more collaborative and be more you know share information uh, so again I don't want to sound like I'm you know spewing any uh, hate toward anyone but I think that uh, there are certain people that really should look at what they're providing to others in terms of the their their value proposition uh, and realize that uh, you know they might not be providing um, things that are that are good in nature to to uh, to people's business objectives and for that I, I you know I really wanted to sort of have this panel that just really talked about disrupting uh, the model that has sort of uh, uh, been embraced by many companies of doing social media campaigns rather than an always-on sustenance or sustainability model um, this model that measures impressions which I feel is an old model that doesn't fit the era of social media, which really should be measured more in terms of connectedness and uh, interactivity and engagement. Not always tied to a dollar amount. Um, again, things are long lead, I think, in social. Um, I use the term slow social, which uh, I don't think we'll pick up this year, but maybe we'll pick up in 2014 which is it's not about the speed of social media it's about the true connection of social media and how one uses that to advance their business agenda unfortunately we live in a in a in a commerce culture where you can't do things slowly because most uh, CMOs are required to show a large amount of uh, numbers in order to um, show that they've met their business objectives hopefully someone can refine that with analytics I do think analytics is the true uh, what do you call it uh, the, the true shaper of the new storyline arc that analytics will actually show that most marketing and most marketers have not approached their craft in a way that it should actually be approached so um, yeah, so I'm a little bummed that uh, that that uh, won't be uh, that won't be at South by Southwest this year. I'm actually not in attendance this year. There are other people that will be down there. There's some there are some really great panels this year. I, I do want to make sure that uh, people know that there's some great stuff to actually check out. I'm sure uh, the 20,000 people that are there um, this year know that, but uh, there there are some very innovative. Um, uh, panels that are taking place. Unfortunately, I just did not see much uh, on, on disruptive innovation, more on sort of sustaining innovation, 
uh, at, uh, at a company, which of course we talked a little bit about last week, the differences between the two. Um, but I think next year it'll be uh, the perfect time maybe to take Disruptive Innovation FM. Um, maybe it blows up, maybe you get a book deal, who knows. Um, but um, in terms of uh, book deals, the last thing I wanted to touch on this particular uh, episode is the uh, fiasco between Nick Bilton of the New York Times and Facebook. So uh, this past week, Nick Bilton, um, who of course we know writes the um, uh, disruptive column in the uh, New York Times business section, uh, has called Facebook out for uh, basically saying that it's a pay-to-play model for anyone to see um, posts. Uh, now, I wrote about this in September, um, and it blew up quite a bit uh, over the fact that uh, brand pages, their organic reach was being diminished um, all in the name of the algorithm, so to speak, the edge rank algorithm. Uh, and that uh, brand pages would have to pay to ac extend that reach. Uh, of course, many of my uh, uh, comrades in, in the agency world sort of said, you're crazy, you don't know what you're talking about, you can't speculate that. Uh, of course, now we all sort of, I think, realize that's the truth, um, that it is a pay-to-play model, both on the brand side as well as the personal side of the spectrum that uh, to just sort of say, well, you have to create good content is not enough. I think you, some people have fallen for that line, hook, line, and sinker um, um, from, you know, that Facebook has been pushing. Um, but, um, you know, the thing about the, the battle between um, uh, Nick Bilton and, and Facebook, I think is something that will just, is not going to go out of the limelight. Uh, I think it's actually creating more of a disturbance uh, for the platform um, and I think it uh, leaves Twitter sort of in the shadows it's grown by a hundred million in the last year so it has about 200 million users uh, really as the disruptive innovation to Facebook even though Twitter has been around you know um, uh, just a few years after uh, Facebook was was developed it sort of built this slower growing uh, slow social so to speak uh, business model so um, it's interesting though to see uh, tech writers understanding how algorithms and math work um, I think that that is part of the problem now uh, that we have a lot of people in tech and a lot of people in marketing who don't really understand engineering or algorithms or math so to speak um, I look at Facebook and I look. I basically say it's a platform that is all mathematics. It's all based on mathematics. It's not just about content. It's more of a um, what's the what's the analytical side? You're right-brained or left-brained? I can't remember. Left-brained. So Facebook is more left-brained, I believe, and uh, it's all based on an algorithm. It's all math. Um, it really has nothing to do with creative content, so to speak, because in order to, to really game the system there, you have to have the ability to pay, to extend the algorithm, to extend reach, and you not only just have to pay, but you have to pay at the right time when to apply that uh, 
money to a post after it's gotten so much engagement. That is math through and through. So I think it's uh, interesting and, and it will only benefit uh, um, communication firms to have people on, on staff who just don't do analytics but really understand UX from an algorithmic standpoint. I guess that's the technologists of most of these companies, so to speak. So another week of Disruptive Innovation FM. Hope you enjoyed the show at DJGEO. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.